Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? No commercials this time, no ads, no promotions, nothing about the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I want to talk about COVID-19 and the pandemic that is currently sweeping across the world. I live in the States. It's just starting to take off here. And since I know a lot of my listeners are also in the States, I want to share with you some thoughts. First, listen to the experts. Scientists, medical professionals, they're your best choice. Followed by government officials who are listening to scientists and medical experts. Politicians who are seeking election and random people on the internet should probably be your last option. Also, I'm not an expert on this. ADHD? Yes, I'm an expert on that. Pandemics? Not so much. So listen to my next few thoughts with that in mind. First, be as intentional as you can about not panicking. This is actually a pretty good time to practice pausing and responding rather than just reacting to things. For example, you probably don't need to buy all the bars of soap in the supermarket. Especially because if you buy all the soap, no one else will be able to wash their hands. So, they won't be fighting the contagion, which will cause it to spread more, and that increases the likelihood that you'll get infected. But I get it. Uncertainty and discomfort breed anxiety. And right now, things are uncertain. Poor leadership breeds uncertainty and discomfort. Look at the people running your community, your town, your city, your province, your state, your country, and draw your own conclusions. Then, look for certainty and security where you can. Look to the leaders who are doing it right. And also, look for the humor. Sometimes, it's the best way to relieve stress. For example, today, I went to Whole Foods because they're the only ones that carry a brand of tea that I like. While I was there, I noticed that the bread shelves were completely bare, except for all this white bread, which was sort of sitting off to one side like a discarded litter of puppies, which might be the most Whole Foods thing I've ever seen. The wheat bread was gone, the sprouted nine grain bread was gone, but the white bread, sitting all lonely on the shelf. That said, do prepare for this. Step one, renew your meds. ADHD meds, heart meds, allergy meds, whatever. Renew them as soon as you can, because if you're quarantined, that will make getting them much harder later on. Also, buy a little more food than usual, just in case. Get canned goods and dry foods, but don't overdo it. We're all in this together, and we don't want our neighbors to starve because we panic bought a bunch of SpaghettiOs we're never going to eat. And get other supplies that might be useful. Things that run out at random times, like olive oil, batteries, and diapers. But again, don't overdo it. A baby can only poop so much, and they'll outgrow those huggies eventually. Also, oh my god, stop freaking out about toilet paper. Just go buy a bidet. 
Seriously, I ordered two of them yesterday. And my podcasting colleague, Jordan Harbinger of The Jordan Harbinger Show, has graciously allowed me to share his discounted link for the Omigo Bidet with you guys. Go to myomigo.com slash Jordan and you'll get 10% off their products. They have two tiers. The Omigo is a toilet seat bidet with all kinds of bells and whistles, and they start at just under $400. The Element is a smaller bidet that attaches to your toilet seat. It starts just under 70 bucks. So pick up the one you like best. I grabbed two of the Element Plus versions for $80 each. So I'll be needing less toilet paper moving forward. It's good for the environment and great for my booty. Also, as you're preparing, shop local if you can. Home Depot will probably weather this okay, but Pop's hardware store down the street is probably gonna get hit pretty hard economically. So be thoughtful about where you shop. And speaking of local businesses, be nice to the dance studio and karate dojos that your kids belong to. Tomorrow, I'm gonna pay my sensei for lessons through the start of the summer. If the boys and I take those lessons, great. If a quarantine means I can't, no harm, no foul. I don't want the money back. I don't want it to count towards future lessons. Every week these kinds of businesses have to close down is a week completely unpaid. They don't get sick leave, nothing. But they're still paying rent, utilities, and similar expenses. I want American Concepts in the center of Shrewsbury, Massachusetts to be open a year from now. So I'm happy to hedge a bet now. Also, be a mensch and hit up your local Chinese restaurant. There's a racist undercurrent to some of the reporting going on about this outbreak, and people and businesses of Chinese origin are getting hit by that. So support them. And be on the lookout for others to support as well. If school is canceled, some kids won't be getting lunch, and might be missing breakfast as well. If you know those families, if you're connected to them, help them out. Leverage social media to connect with your friends who might need extra support right now. Just offer it. Turn your house into a soup kitchen if you want. Some folks are going to need it. Finally, if you're stuck at home with the kids, be mindful of how you're going into this time with them. We're likely to see a lot more of our families than we're used to. This is a time that can foster resentment and frustration, but it can also foster connection. So prioritize work a little bit less and play a little bit more. It'll make these things easier in the long run, and you might just need the self-care too. All of that said, today we're talking to my friend, Dr. Sharon Celine. Dr. Celine is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in ADHD and the author of What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew. You might remember her from when she was on talking about that book. In today's episode, Sharon and I are talking about what to do when your kids are cooped up at home. We did this interview through the lens of a snow day, but it works for quarantine and social distancing too. There's a lot of really good information and ideas in here. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you're able to navigate the current pandemic with as much ease and grace as possible. All right, let's get rolling. I'm so excited to be here with my friend, Brendan. This is Dr. Sharon Celine. I'm a clinical psychologist, author of What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew, Working Together to Empower Kids for Success in School and Life. And I can't think of a better way to spend the next hour than talking with my buddy, Brendan, about living with ADHD and raising kids with ADHD. 
I'm excited to have you back because I, as my listeners are starting to learn, I really like having people back because it's like visiting with an old friend. And we live, I don't know, an hour from each other and only see each other on this podcast and at the conference on ADHD, which is weird. So we probably have to fix that at some point. But you're here to talk about alternatives to screen time, basically, like Mm -hmm. ways to engage our kids. It's the winter. It's cold. People are inside. So what, what are some options? I think that we want to, before we talk about um, alternatives to screens, I want to say a few things about my perspectives around screens. Mm -hmm. So I don't think screens are an enemy, but I think that we have to create healthy media diets for our kids. And one of the things that happens is that screens are used as a disciplinary tool. You know, if you don't do this, you're going to lose your screen. If you do this special thing, you'll get your screen. And it promotes anxiety in kids. Am I going to get my screen? Am I not going to get my screen? What, what's going to happen? So I would like to suggest my method for dealing with this before we even start on alternatives, which is what I call the easy on, easy off method. You can read about it in my book or you can check out my website, drsharonceline.com. I've written about it there. And this easy on, easy off method is very simple to use. First, as the adult, and if you are a solo adult parenting, then you'll have to sit down and think about this yourself, or maybe talk to some friends or a relative, or if you have a partner, you talk to your partner. How much screen time per day do you want your kids to have? So let's say, just for the sake of math, it's an hour and a half. An hour and a half on top of whatever they do for school, because school's separate. 30 minutes of that screen time is the gimme. They get it every day, no matter what, except if they go to porn sites, except if they're doing online bullying, except if they're, you know, somehow using the the screen inappropriately, then they do not get that gimme. But every day they get their 30 minutes and you set a time with your child of when that 30 minutes is going to happen. When that 30 minutes is over, if they ease off the screen with, a, with the, your appropriate five-minute eye-to-eye warning and the timer goes off, if they ease off that and do the task that they need to do next, they earn a bonus. And that bonus could be maybe another 30 minutes. And then if they ease off that and do the other task, they earn the final 30 minutes. Now, you can play with these amounts however you want, but you can see where I'm going, which is that you get a baseline of screen time and everything else is the carrot. And here's the thing. Do kids want the 30 minutes or the extra hour? Right. They're going to want more time than they get for the baseline. Exactly. And so that's your negotiating tool. That's what you negotiate. You do, you get your 30 minutes, you do your 30 minutes of homework, you can have your final bonus. You, you have to decide that. But I think it's really important that we incentivize kids with screens rather than take the screens away because it does, punishment doesn't teach kids any lessons. And when you incentivize with screens, you're teaching kids all kinds of lessons about initiation, motivation, planning, and and follow through so this this and then you also simultaneously reduce the arguing this is what we do and on the weekends maybe you get a little extra time i really want to encourage you to think about listeners what the easy off easy on easy off plan in your family would look like and start to implement that and and playing with that idea of, of punishment right there's also like i i i also am not a big fan of punishment 
I tend to subscribe to the consequence should fit the solution to the problem. And so what I mean by that as it relates to screens is like my guys, we've noticed if they get too much screen time, they get cranky and they get more easily frustrated. They have trouble sleeping. They're kind of become kind of jerks. We've had that conversation with them around the way that excessive screen time affects them emotionally. And so if that's happening, we don't, we take screen time away, but it's not a punishment. It's like, seems like you've been getting too much screen time based on how you're behaving. So we want to rein this in. Yeah. You're talking about logical consequences, right? which is what I am too, because it's like, if the agreement is you do your, you do your 30 minutes of homework, complete what you need to do. And then you earn the bonus screen time. You don't do the homework. You don't earn the bonus screen time. Or you earn the bonus screen time, but you get when it's time to get off, you have a fit and you kick the door. Guess what? You haven't earned the privilege of bonus screen time tomorrow. And so it's, it's, not, it's not punishment. It's actually making kids accountable for their actions in conjunction with something they want. Yeah, as so opposed to something like you didn't clean your room, so now you're not allowed to have any screen time, which they may or may not be connected. Correct. Maybe that's what we want to avoid. And it also makes kids really anxious and enraged because A doesn't equal A doesn't equal B, that's not what the plan was. Kids like to actually ha- particularly kids who have ADHD or are on the spectrum or have a learning um, disability, they like to understand what the map is, what the plan is, and then they can move around within that map, negotiate within themselves and their choices. They want to have choices, so you're giving them a set of appropriate choices. Yeah, and and clear boundaries too, right? Like Exactly. Like my guys know, TV, they get about an hour a day iPad video game stuff that's only on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they only get an hour, or I should say an hour is the minimum because sometimes we're having a day when we're at home all day and they end up with like two hours on the iPad or something. It certainly happens on occasion, but they, they know that they've got an hour locked in that they're going to be able to use it at some point. If they choose to, they don't always choose to, but my guys, because we have those kinds of clear boundaries, they sometimes don't choose the iPad. Sometimes they're playing Legos all day because they know they're going to get that option again later. It's not going to be arbitrarily taken away from them because the sink is a mess or something. And so those, that, that's another way that your map helps, that, that clear set map and boundaries. If I know I can rely on this time, then I'm less likely to use it because it doesn't feel scarce and uncertain. Right, exactly. And I'm not feeling anxious. You know, and, and I think actually you're you're doing a great job of already setting a, a a map for your kids because you've you've laid out what the prediction is. Here you get this, and on the weekends you get that, and then they're not trying to clamor for iPad during the week, or they may or may not be doing that. They probably are a little bit, but it's clear that's not what the rules are. You know, and so kids need limits. They do. They really do. Um, so, okay, so let's, now that we've sort of laid that foundation, because I don't want to come in and talk about alternative technology and have parents think I'm anti-technology. I'm not. I am supportive of technology that is thoughtful, that is boundaried, and that is responsible. You are t- talking to your kids about how they're using screens. You're reflecting on your own use of screens. Yeah. If, it's, if it's a screen-free dinner, 
it's a screen-free dinner for everybody. You know, it's very hard for kids, particularly kids with ADHD who struggle with um, impulse control, to have you say, no, oh, no more screens, and then you have your phone and you're texting. Like, they're going to just call out hypocrisy, and they're right. One of the things I've done with my kids and in our family is we clearly delineate between using a screen as a tool and using a screen for entertainment. And so if we have a no screen time dinner, but my dad is in the hospital and I'm texting with my sister about what's going to go on there, now I'm using my screen as a tool and my kids are into that information. They know what's going on. They're part of that situation. So they understand why that exception is happening. And that communication around what the purpose is around the screen is also critical, I think. You just said a really important word, exception. Mm -hmm. That exception is so important to explain to kids. It's one thing if you say, you guys get a half hour of television while I'm cooking dinner every night, and then you drop a glass on the floor and glass is everywhere, and you let them watch extra, but you don't explain why you're letting them do that. Or you get a call from your mom that your dad's in the hospital, you, you, you don't explain that. So what happens is they think, oh, it's the new normal. If mom's not paying attention or dad's not paying attention, I'm going to get extra screen time. Instead of saying, you can have extra screen time, I have to clean up this mess, and then when it's over, to sit down and say, that was an exception. Because kids understand the concept of sometimes. And also, like with my guys, that can go one of two ways, right? If they, if I break a glass and I'm distracted, or if I just have ADHD and I'm distracted, and they wind up getting like an hour and a half instead of an hour, sometimes the conversation is, hey, you guys got lucky, right? Because that something distracted us and mom and dad didn't get on your case. But also, I compliment my kids when they're using strategies. And as a result, they use them more often. So if my kids are on the iPad, they know they have a half an hour, they set a timer for half an hour. And they're off when that half an hour is done. And when I see that happening, I compliment them on it, which reinforces that strategy, reinforces that following the structure that has been provided. Of course, because there's not, you know, in my five C's approach, the fifth C is celebration, right. which is acknowledging and validating when your kids get it right. Because kids with ADHD uh, or LD or who are on the spectrum hear so many messages about how they could do things different, i.e. better. And so when you notice that they're getting it right, tell them, give them a high five, you know, really uh, appreciate their efforts. That helps them want to do it again. And as long as we're celebrating, let's celebrate some indoor activities. Yes. Okay. Indoor activities. Sorry. So I made a whole list of indoor activities. I'm wondering how many of them I do. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing on my list are good old fashioned games. Yeah. Board games or card games. And there are a couple that I've noticed that kids really love in my practice. So here they are. Uh, sorry. Sorry is a great game to play, particularly because when a person picks the sorry card and has to say sorry to another player, you set the guideline is that it requires eye-to-eye -eye contact and actually a pleasant sorry rather than sorry or sorry or whatever. And so that helps kids actually learn how to apologize, you know. Just to say that. So sorry is fun and it moves along relatively quickly. Another one is payday, which is like Monopoly, like Monopoly, but so much shorter. 
It's, it's, it's fun, it's easy, it moves fast, and kids like it because it has to do with money. Also, uh, Yahtzee is a fun game because, first of all, the dice and the cup make a lot of noise, and so kids get to make noise with the dice and the cup. And it also teaches math skills because you have to add up, and, and that's a fun thing to do. Um, so you're learning, but you're not really focusing on learning. A few others that I really like, Battleship. I'm actually not a big fan of Battleship, but plenty of my clients are. And um, the old-fashioned one, not Battleship on the computer, but we have to put the little pegs in. <laughs> the red and white pegs. The red and white pegs. Uh, my two other favorite games right now are Headbands. Love this game. If you don't know this game, it is fun, and it's fun for adults, too. There's a band you put around your head and a card with a picture that you don't see, and then you have to guess what mm -hmm. that card is. Yep. Um, Rat Attack Cat is a very fun uh, card game. Um, unlike Uno, it does not last forever. And it involves guessing and thinking of what the other person may have. And kids love that. So you might not know this about me, but I am a big board game geek. I did not know this. Yeah. So you're, you're, oh. like, you're sharing some classics. So I'm going to throw out some more, some more modern stuff that you may or may not know about please. There are cooperative board games that have been created now. The players are playing against the game is how it works. Which ones? There's games like Pandemic, which is you're fighting against a, an outbreak of disease. Mm -hmm. There's a game we've got. It only plays four people and it's, it, it's an expensive one. I think it was like $70 or something. Oh boy. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's called Mechs versus Minions. And it, it's almost a video game. You play as a team of four you're the mechs, the minions are the things you're trying to stop or fight or whatever. And you advance in levels. We're on like the fifth level of mechs versus minions right now as a family. We cool. just play it for an hour and it, so the game changes, like the board changes, your objective changes. It's really, it's really an interesting game. And one of the things that is the most compelling to me about board games is that it helps with that emotional regulation, right? Outside mm -hmm. of the stuff you've already mentioned, it also helps with that emotional regulation. You're winning, you're losing, you're struggling. Things are hard, things are easy, things are fair, things are not fair. And it lets you get to know your kids. It lets you get to know friends who come over and kind of how they're, how competitive are they? How well do they handle it? And it, it's just a great way to spend time as a family and, and, and connect. This Sunday, we're having a board games and brunch party at my house. Oh, that's fantastic. I also like, I also like dominoes. Uh, there's a train domino th thing that you can do. And I didn't even mention things like bananagrams or Scrabble or Taboo or Scategories. I mean, there's lots of other fun games. I was just sort of saying some classics. And I think a lot of times parents forget, we forget about board games or we want our kids to be occupied so we can do our own stuff. And that kind of defeats the purpose, actually. You know, I can't tell you uh, how many kids like to play shoots and ladders or Candyland? Even I had a fifth grader in here. He's that we were finishing up our therapy, and he I said, "Well, pick your game," and he picked Candyland. I was really surprised, but there's something comforting about that for kids. Yeah. So taking the time to play a board game really matters. Um, the other, if you had a few other ideas, uh, one was that. Um, uh, artistic kinds of hobbies. Now, some kids aren't artistic, but there are still ways to make things that are fun. So, of course, there are coloring books, and there are a bazillion of those right now. There's collaging. Uh, there's also Fimo, which is this great um, clay you used to be able to buy. I think you can still buy it. And you make the design, and then you bake it, and it's hardened. And so that's a fun little activity. There are, um, of course, puzzles. 
I'm a big fan of puzzles. Um, and not puzzles that have 17 million pieces because those are really discouraging. <laughs> Try for a puzzle with maybe 100 pieces for younger kids, 200 pieces. And if your child can handle it, 500. And you can circle back to it over time rather than trying to complete the whole thing just now. Um, the other game that I really like is Jenga which of course is a fantastic game because you build the tower and then you have to manage, you know, to take the block out, which not only enhances impulse control, but you have to, not you mean, because you have to slow down, but you also have to plan spatially. And so this is a great game where you're having fun and it also is teaching something. Um, another thing that I'm interested in is helping kids develop hobbies. And so whether um, it's uh, models, model airplanes, model cars, jewelry making, uh, a lot of sometimes uh, kids like to make those little wrist bracelets, you name the, the different types, there's about 7 million of them. <laughs> You know, of course, there's music. Families can play music together. But I think that in a, on a rainy day uh, or a cold, snowy day, what are you going to do for the day? Well, we have making popcorn. That's always fun. We have some hot chocolate, perhaps. What about some physical exercise? So we could all together as a family do some a, a, a video. A we we could play. We could do a we video, or we could do an exercise video. See who can you know start sweating first, um, and um, or who starts sweating last. One thing we do at our house is um, we've got a total gym, a treadmill, a trampoline. And oh my free, gosh. And free wow. weights, right? Yeah. Wow. It doesn't take up that much space. Like it, and our basement is a little big, I guess. Yes. But so I did this more when my kids went to elementary school and they got, we had a little more time in the morning. We used to exercise in the morning, literally as stations. And yes. set a 10 minute timer, walk in the treadmill for 10 minutes, bounce on the trampoline for 10 minutes, do the total gym for 10 minutes and then swap, right? And do the next mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And we'd spend a half an hour in the morning exercising and everyone got to three stations and then we went off to school. That's fantastic. I wish we still had enough time in the morning to do that because it got us all off to school on a much better mindset. But that's a great thing to do on a, a, a home day. Right. You know, um, that's a great thing to do because kids get antsy, right? And particularly if you live in an area where you can get a dump of eight inches of snow, you can go outside for some of that and play in the snow, but then you come back in. And so being able to get your yayas out, as, as we used to say, is really helpful. And you could do it together, jumping jacks, whatever it is. Another thing I thought about was actually making videos together. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be really fun because you can do uh, you could do something theatrical. You could also just record life. Uh, you could look at some old videos that you may have made from when kids were little. Kids love to see themselves on on television or look through photo albums. So that's a fun ex activity when you're home one day. And something we used to do. It's not video. Is um. Have you ever done the like sort of chaining stories together? Yes. So, yes. The, the round robin story stuff. You're, you mm -hmm. start writing a story. Everyone has their own piece of paper and they, you start writing a story. And then two, a timer for two minutes goes off or three minutes or whatever. And you just stop writing. You finish your sentence, stop writing, fold over the paper so that the next person can only see like the top two lines of the page or whatever. Mm -hmm. and hand it to someone else and that you just can't keep swapping the stories around in a circle like in a round robin but you can only ever read a line or two of what the last person wrote at the very end of whatever they wrote mm -hmm. and then 
go around once, twice, however many times, let everyone know when it's the end, wrap up the story, and then everybody reads this, whatever story they have out loud. And it's ridiculous because you don't know what the other person wrote. And so you're going from like a story that takes place in a zoo to a story that's taking place in a haunted mansion. And it doesn't make any sense except they both have hamsters in them. That's hilarious. And yeah, it's super fun. I actually had Mad Libs on my list. Yeah, um, same idea. Mad Libs. It's sort of the same idea. And, you know, kids, these are fun. I mean, you know, some of these, these are old, old fashioned. Well, what was wrong with them? There was nothing wrong with them. <laughs> and Mad Libs are really fun. And you could do them as a family. They're, they're, they're hilarious. Apples to Apples is another great game to do yep. on a, uh, you can, to to play on a, a, um, as a family. It's it's hilarious, and so time things that will get you laughing is also a great a great activity. Of course, there's always something like reading, like family reading a novel together, people reading their own books, or you decide as a family you're going to listen to something. Uh, for example, um, Roald Dahl. There are a series of books where he reads his own books, and they're fantastic, uh, just like the Harry Potter um, books uh, um, are, are really fun to listen to. And so that's something that's nice to do in a drive when you're in the car or, you know, you, you make a fire, you have popcorn, and you listen to, you know, one of the stories. That can be a really sweet family activity. We listen to a book on tape whenever we go to New Jersey, because my, my in-laws live in New Jersey, so we... We do that drive several times a year and we're always listening to something. And one of the things that I've found that's useful for that, and it goes a little beyond what we're talking about now, is I'll introduce the first book of a series on the way to New Jersey and then they take over from there. So like my kids got into the Percy Jackson series because of me, of listening to the Percy Jackson first book on the way, I think we're going to we were going somewhere further than New Jersey. It might have been Niagara Falls or something, <laughs> but it was a bigger deal. And um, I got them into uh, Hatchet by Gary Paulson. We just did one of those. That got them into the rest of that series. So I highly recommend that if parents are going are gonna to listen to a book on tape on a long drive, pick one from a series because if they like it, now you're encouraging them to read those books on their own later, which is always good. That's a terrific idea. I also thought about, you know, something simple, a building blocks or Legos. It can be really fun to have Lego contests. When I was a kid, my grandfather used to institute Lego contests and um, we had like car, we had a car Lego contest. We had a house building Lego contest. Uh, Sometimes one day we had a transportation, which would include other things. And those are really fun to do also. Um, and of course there's no winner. Uh, everybody wins in some degree and you can you can make a list of what the categories are you know most colorful and um, most complicated or yeah, whatever I don't biggest know. or whatever biggest yeah. yeah yeah so those are fun things also and and finally the last thing I thought about are activity books so sometimes we have those books that have questions math problems uh, other things if your child really likes to do math then those books can be so, uh, something that's entertaining rather than torture so, uh, or, you know, Sudoku. Uh, some kids like to do easy crossword puzzles or word searches. So those kinds of things just to have around so that on a, on a, on a day that's icky, uh, you can pull out the box with the special activities for that day yeah. and, and maybe keep them aside so they, they're not available all the time. So kids can actually look forward to, oh, we get to use this. Right. Yeah. Or 
the other option is to just leave them out all the time and maybe they pick it up and do something with it. But you want to be, you want to sort of use both of those strategies, I think. I think so. I mean, you could divide up, like, these are the things that are out and these are the things that are hidden. When, when my kids were little, we used to like go through the house every couple months and we'd take away some of their toys and we put them in a box and mm -hmm. they didn't miss them. And then we'd bring them back recycle the toys so we say hey you know we were cleaning look what we found like oh my gosh i love this <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and then there's things you know for depending on your child dolls and um playmobil yep one of the things i'm looking forward to doing with my kids i think they have to be a little bit older based on their frustration tolerance not on mm -hmm. like anything else really is i would love to make a rube goldberg machine with my kids Mm. And a Rube Goldberg machine, for those of you listening who don't know what that is, is like a really complicated machine that does a really simple task. It's kind of like dominoes, only much more than that. So it's like mm. a domino knocks over a ping pong ball, which rolls into a baseball, which rolls into a basketball, which then drops onto, I don't know, like a lever that flips something up in the air and on and on and on you go until finally you've dipped a cookie in milk. Like that kind of a, it's that kind of a ridiculous thing. And it's the kind of activity that I know my kids would dig, but I also know that it's an entire day's undertaking. It requires a ton of planning, which they're not going to want to do yet. And the like testing of it, of it worked, it didn't work. This thing keeps not doing what I want it to do. They're not quite at the level of frustration tolerance to handle that for an entire day. And it's not the kind of thing I want to leave partially set up in my house for more than a day. <laughs> maybe a weekend. But you, but you mentioned something when you said the cookie, you mentioned my final suggestion, yep. which is cooking. Yeah. Uh, most kids like to eat and they probably would be interested in cooking something special with you. One of the, the things that, um, I did with my kids pretty much every snow day was I would bake cookies mm -hmm. and we would, you know, we go out, we shovel, we sled and we come we'd come home. And that's how part of how we would fill the day. And so, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's cookies, maybe it's a particular, you know, delicious kinds of meatballs or whatever you like to eat, or you make pizza from scratch, something um, that engages them in the cooking process. Again, that's fun and they get to look forward to eating it, but it's, you're also teaching them a skill and yeah. so, and something that they can hopefully want to do more of on their own later. Awesome. And one, one more thing that I should throw out there because my listeners are like, how come he hasn't said it yet? And I'm going to lose all of my geek cred if I don't bring it up is uh, Dungeons and Dragons. You can I was waiting for something like that. Yes. <laughs> you can totally play D&D &D with your family. And if, for those of you who are like, what, what's that all about? I interviewed Matt Fay, who is a mental health counselor out of Florida, who uses D&D &D as a therapeutic tool. And you don't have to do that as a parent. In fact, I would discourage you from trying to do that as a parent. But it's also just a really fun game. I was out until 10 o'clock last night playing D&D. <laughs> once a month, I, I, twice a month. I have one game that I meet once a month on Wednesdays and one game that meets once a month on Sundays. Uh, but I, that's what I was doing last night until from like 7 to 10 last night. Um, and it's just a fun game. You get, to, you get to pretend to be in a different world and be a different person and do some stuff that you don't otherwise ever get to do. And it's cooperative and, and there's math and all kinds of stuff like that too. It's a great executive functioning tool. I can't tell you how many of my clients play D&D. In fact, I have one client who has ADHD and ASD and goes to a alternative school and they teach a class on D&D. 
-hmm. and it's very popular you know because it's there at this particular school students can teach classes yeah. So, yeah i've been playing for 25 years wow wow and i've run the games too i'm not even just a player like i i'm the guy who tells the story and stuff i've been doing that for 23 years <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a blast it's a lot of fun i can understand why your kids would be into it and it's it's the kind of game that that adhd folks like a lot of folks on the autism spectrum a lot of folks a lot of gifted people really enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. So um, that's a big chunk of this audience is autism spectrum, ADHD, giftedness, that there's a good number of you in here. So I highly recommend checking it out. That's a great suggestion. I totally agree with that. One thing that I was thinking it'd be worth saying is sometimes, you know, playing games with your kids, the idea may not appeal to you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you may have been someone for whom your parents did not play games with you. And I've had many people come to this office where their parents did not play games with them. It's not part of their cultural history. And so it could be challenging for you to kind of bring yourself to sit down and, you know, take out all your magazines from the recycle pile and cut out pictures and make a collage of favorite foods or places you'd like to go or animals you, you know, you you like that may not seem that may seem like a waste of time but here's the thing there's no waste of time when you're playing with your kids because this goes into their memory bank about in terms of how they feel that they matter that they're important enough for you to play with it teaches them the value of play and there's been so much research on the, how the loss of play really affects creative thinking for kids, you know, the the the, the um, dominance of tech of relying on technology for very young children, rather than having them sit down and use their imagination, uh, has been shown to actually thwart the development of imagination. And so you're 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 giving them a gift, but you're also doing something even more important, which is that you're fostering attachment. You're, you're fostering a closeness with your child. And what's really more important than that? You don't have to play games for seven hours, but you need to play some games. I had one client who's like, what am I, a cruise director? I have to play games with them? No one had ever played games with her. And so we actually spent some sessions sitting down playing some games because yeah. that was so foreign. Um, you know, she grew up with a family, you know, where she was left alone most of the time and had to watch her younger her younger siblings also like if if you're not making the time to play the games with your kids then your kids are going to look somewhere else to play and exactly. that is part of the video game stuff that my kid plays video games all day well how come well because they want to play and that's their best option to get someone to play with them is they can go on the internet and find someone else to play with them because mm -hmm. their friends are also playing Fortnite or whatever and, but if you're making time to create that connection with your kids by way of mechs versus minions, Dungeons and Dragons, a Rube Goldberg machine, checkers, connect Four, battleship, whatever, mm -hmm. creating friendship bracelets. If you can enter your kid's world and play those games with them, whatever it is, even if it's a craft and not exactly a game, then you, just like you just said, Sharon, you're, you're establishing that attachment you're you're strengthening that attachment you're letting them know that they matter and and that you are glad that they are in the same house as you and in the same space as you and and that you can interact with them and connect with them in a way that isn't just staring at a television and watching the simpsons 
which is okay sometimes. Sure, absolutely. We watch. We right now we're watching Make It, but uh, which is like a really amazing show about making things. There's other stuff that kids like to make too. You know, like that goopy stuff, which I purposefully did not say because it, I don't like. I personally don't like touching it, but <laughs> you know, I, I forget what it's called. It's like I, I literally have blocked it out because you know you make um, ooblick. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not for me. Not for That's me. Awesome. So. Um, so with that, just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? I would like you to remember that inside of you is a kid. And that kid could come out when you get to play games with your child. And as adults, we're so busy with our to-do lists and our have-tos that sometimes just setting that aside and, and being able to um, play Dungeons and Dragons or sit down and play a game of sorry or do some charades or make friendship bracelets, it allows us to open ourselves and to connect with a part of ourselves that it's always there and it's fun to remember. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.